Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm here to discuss Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And it's fair to say that it's a joint choice this week. Is that is that yeah. right, Dan? Yeah. It is. I tell you what, it's not fair to say, as ever, because... I've missed you, Sam. Oh, you weren't here last yes, time. yes. No, not as ever. Uh, and I was, oh, I was about to say, but before we Back do from that, the dead. but before we do that, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, the the forty five minute tribute to me that you put on. Uh, I certainly wasn't expecting it to take the form of a play featuring um, papier mache versions of myself. But I'm looking forward to seeing the video. Uh, maybe that works better than um, the audio version, which seemed to just be a lot of crying and um, the sound of papier-mâché breaking. Don't forget the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Congratulations on the live podcast, Dan. I'm sure it was insanely stressful. It's so much to organise and the pressure of performing in front of a crowd, but uh, you you knocked out of the park. It was great. How did you find it? Did you have fun? Thank you, man. Yeah, it was an absolute blast. We had a really lovely bunch. Uh, I yeah. knew some of the guests. I met some of the guests for the first time. Everybody was lovely. Yeah. Messaging apps uh, are your friend when you're doing these things. I just asked everyone if they didn't mind being in a, in a group together, and they said it was fine. So I just threw them all in a group like a week before the podcast. Oh wow! And I was like, right, we're we're all going for drinks. It started out originally. I was going to try and take everyone out for a meal, but then with all the various plus ones and all that kind of stuff, there were like 10 of us and i couldn't find anywhere that would seat 10 people oh, wow. on a thursday night with only a week's notice we were go- i was going to take everyone to nopi yotamata lengi's restaurant as a reference to the character in wounded fawn the psychopath name dropping yotamata lengi as like the kind of food a psychopath would eat amazing <laughs> <laughs> And I thought that, that was fun because Jen and I, that's our like special event restaurant. Oh, I love there. So I thought that was funny and it's great fun. And I was going to take everyone, but obviously they couldn't fucking seat us because it's a tiny restaurant and there were loads of us. So we ended up just going to a pub and it was very nice. But <laughs> apparently the next day they were all like, we thought we were going for a meal. And then it was just more drinks. And then we'd be like, are we going to get food now? And it's no, no, it's just more drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd made it very clear, but no, apparently not. I had not. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was a really, really lovely event. And shout out to Travis Stevens um, for his lovely words about the podcast. It's stuff like that that really kind of keeps us going, I think. People, you know, checking in and letting us know how they listen and where they listen and and just appreciating uh, the podcast in general. It it really does mean a lot because we've been doing this for five years now. Right, Dan? Has it really been that long? Five years. Yeah, we actually missed our five-year anniversary. (laughs) Oh, fuck me. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, So it's over five years now. But here's to five more years. And as long as Arrow keep on putting out movies like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, we'll be able to go five years easy. Because there is a lot to talk about when it comes to this incredible film. But before we do that... Happy, happy film. Happy, happy film. Dan, what's the plot of Henry Portrait of a Serial Of a serial killer. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is a highbrow investigation into the idea of an unreliable narrator. Ostensibly, it is based upon recollections of a real-life serial killer, murderer, but there's uh, a general feeling throughout that it's it's remembered or recounted i was i was going to be all flippant at the beginning of this but i've sort of fallen into an actual description of it it's yeah it's it's a grimy impactful independent little film that deals with 
the behaviour of a deeply psychologically damaged man who kills as a form of sort of emotional release that fell foul of a lot of censors for being sort of educational or instructional in its information about how to serial kill. That's very interesting on, on a lot of different levels. Your instincts were correct. This is a very difficult film to be flippant about just because it is so impactful and powerful and I was kind of surprised by how much power it retains because I haven't seen this for many years last time I watched it was on VHS and it's still incredibly unnerving but yeah I'd like to talk a little bit about the low budget aspect to it the indie film aspect to it because this was shot on 16 millimeter in just under a month for 100k so a brilliant example of micro budget filmmaking and a testament to the power and value of great actors. Michael Rooker is insane mm. in this debut he's performance. Like not not I mean, he's portraying an insane person. He's insanely good. He's insanely good. He was working yeah. as a janitor when he auditioned. He actually wore his uniform in the audition and in the movie. And it's an example of a working class actor giving an all time performance. It reminds me of Tim Roth in Made in Britain or Ray Winston in Scum, like that kind of level of realism. Yeah. And this film just simply would not work if you'd have cast basically anyone else, I feel. Like, he's so intrinsic to the success of this film and the feel of it. Yeah, what are you, I've rambled on for long enough. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Rook is absolutely incredible. He's astonishing. I don't think I'd realised... When I when I went to rewatch it, I don't think I realised how early it was because when I first watched this movie, everyone in it was older than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those where I'm now older than the people who made the movie, which is fucking crazy. It, it's like what you said. I th- I think I I did have it on DVD. I don't remember whether I ever revisited it on DVD. It might be one of those ones that I just needed to own and I didn't go back to it. But I was amazed at how familiar it all was. Like I, I'd watched it so many times when I first came across it, and I and I suspect I either hadn't seen it uncut before, or like my memories of it are of the cut, the UK version, the sort of James Furman heavily edited version. Hmm. It's a yeah, it's a very impactful film, but all of the. Uh, all of the acting is so good. I I think I wrote what did I write down my <laughs> my kitchen sink psycho miserableist verite. <laughs> it's got a very it, it it's got it's got a very cinema verite feel to it. Like the the way it's shot between the sixteen millimeter, which was obviously the sort of the air, the arena of uh, field reporting for TV at the time, or like uh, at least you know in the recent history at the time that it was made, uh, all that field stuff would be shot on film. So it felt a lot like that. It's shot on a very limited number of lenses. It's got quite a claustrophobic feel to it. A lot of the dialogue is very sort of like flat and matter of fact, not as a criticism of the performances, but just because everything feels very like fly on the wally. But then you've also got these amazing stylistic touches that McNaughton's thrown in, like the the audio score over the top of those amazing sort of like tableau vivant yeah. murder scenes that you get where it's just slowly pushing in on a victim, which I hadn't realised were pretty much all the same woman that i mean there's so much in what you just said that i want to talk about like i had exactly the same experience like i watched it with shay and i said god michael rooker looks so young like as soon as he appeared on screen and i said i remember when he was old to me exactly the same experience that that you had which is weird because you know we watch a lot of films that we watch when we we were younger watch when we were older but for some reason this really stood out 
possibly because Rooker has continued to be such a presence in film and we've seen him age and we're used to him being older. That's probably a factor. But yeah, and in terms of the verite stuff, like obviously I mentioned Made in Britain and Scum, McNaughton was also compared to Cassavetes when it came out. And actually don't really see the comparison because... I love Cassavetes, but his stuff is kind of quite loose and, you know, surreal in places. And it's all it has that improv feel, whereas this is a, a shark of a film. Like it is constantly moving in one chilling direction yeah. and it's still incredibly powerful and disturbing. There's a scene which we won't spoil. Maybe we'll discuss it a little bit. But there's a scene where Henry and Otis watch TV that if it doesn't unnerve you, then you have probably already murdered people. And that actually ties into what you're talking about with the the murder tableaus, because I found that choice so brilliant. The fact that it doesn't... Like, the the only scene we see really... I mean, there's a couple, but the kind of centrepiece moment is that home invasion that we watch through their eyes. And... It's asking the audience, well, you know, you're sitting on the sofa next to Henry and Otis. How do you feel about watching this stuff for entertainment? Because that's exactly what we're doing as an audience for a film called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. We're finding entertainment in this kind of stuff, which puts it in line with stuff like Funny Games, obviously, but yeah, amazing. was quite an original direction for a film like this. And that also ties in, just one last point based on what you just said, that also ties into what you're talking about, the flat performances, because it's all part of the same thing for me, because it's about a real serial killer, but it doesn't glamorise its subject like some of these kinds of films can do. It's very matter of fact. Very matter of fact, documentary style. And Rooker is kind of, he's magnetic, but he's kind of a charisma vacuum. He's kind of a bit dumb and he's kind of boring in in a weird kind of way. Otis is is creepier than Henry. He's actually on the edge of being a Rob Zombie character and he arguably has more personality than Henry. And he's got more than a little aesthetically in common with Sid Haig as well. Oh, 100%, yeah. But yeah, you, you just definitely wouldn't want to be anywhere near either of these two kind of greasy men. Even though Henry does have kind of a magnetic quality, a watchable quality that, again, is in line with the character he's playing because these serial killers, they're kind of a void, but there's something about them that makes people trust them or or draws people into them. Very animalistic, you know, kind of very shark-like. But yeah, anyway, you were going to say, I, sorry, I just had to address so many points that um, that you raised because I totally agree with everything you're saying. I really do. Yeah, it's it's um, the the idea that it challenges the audience. It was made in eighty six, which you know in the UK was just at the sort of end of the video nasties for all. Uh, I don't know what the the mood in the states was with with sort of censorship and video, but I mean I can't imagine it was that different, even if they didn't have their own parade of light. You know, the the freedom of access to to video nasties or whatever you know whatever each individual culture wants to call them the idea that you can like so much of that was based around the fact that you could pause rewind rewatch mm-hmm. these horrible moments mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we see in that moment yeah in that scene that you're referring to the novelty of this camera uh, and it does have that sort of yeah that very sort of like matter of fact almost documentary style like the the dispassionate talking heads of 
like BBC 1950s 1960s BBC documentaries where people are just talking about like grim stuff that has happened very mm. flatly there's a conversation between Becky and Henry at the mo- at the beginning or mm. near the beginning where they they sort of subtly bond over trauma yeah but what's really interesting is how it com- like that moment of trauma that they both discuss 100% is the catalyst for both of them as characters mm. and yet they have processed it in entirely unique ways it is such a such a like a little slice of look how this can affect people like it's broken both of them but it's broken both of them in unique ways and then that what you were saying about Henry being kind of dumb there's that wonderful moment where she turned where Becky mm-hmm. turns up with the I love Chicago mm-hmm. t-shirt and he just looks at this like two word one emoji like logo and says what does it say yeah and you're like fuck me you know this guy who we've already seen commit atrocities is entire has been entirely abandoned by the system mm-hmm. like we've heard the story about his background we've heard about what he went through with his mum which is a sort of interesting because like if it was done if it was recorded spoken in a different way recorded in a different way then it's the same kind of like slightly cheesy back story of like killers in half a dozen a dozen two dozen of the like bottom of the barrel gialli mm-hmm. where they're like oh yeah what was the killer's motive his mum made him wear a dress and it's like it you know it's almost throwaway but it's only rooker's performance and the and mcnaughton's like direction yeah the atmosphere yeah. into being something actually like oh my goodness like this guy is bearing his soul to this woman but again because he has no boundaries like this this is a character without any understanding of how to behave in society and yes that is obviously predominantly about the fact that he's going out and murdering people but it's also about the fact that he just doesn't know how to interact with people and the, the attack that he starts to develop with Becky like that first time he grabs Otis and makes him apologize mm-hmm. to Becky for grabbing at his, uh, his sister is like oh fuck this guy like a, a new thing has happened for him and now he's being protective in a way that we feel we've ne- like we feel like we're witnessing something completely new for this character like he's never done that before yeah I think I think at this point we should probably say spoilers for the rest of this episode or like for the next like five minutes or so let's say actually yeah because we we have already drifted into the spoiler zone but um I think it's a really key point because you're absolutely right that conversation is a real turning point in terms of our understanding of both characters and you could argue that as much as this is a portrait of a serial killer it's also a portrait of a victim it's inexorable where this film kind of ends up the final moments uh, embedded within pretty much every scene in the film it's what makes it kind of a perfect film of its kind because it's kind of unpredictable but also has a logic to it all the right choices are made by the performers by the director yeah it's not a film for everyone but i think everyone that is drawn to it will find it an intense and rewarding experience for sure yeah it's just an incredible incredible movie i was so shocked because i've seen so much fucked up stuff since henry and i've made some fucked up stuff since henry and i was just really shocked by how deeply profoundly uncomfortable watching it again made me i didn't necessarily find it as shocking or as difficult right but i still found it as powerful right there you go yeah i don't know necessarily if it's that i've been numbed Mm -hmm. i think it is possibly that i've seen more you know as one reaches for the edges of one's comfort zone having seen henry i mean like 
what was it? It was 86, so it would have been seven when it came out. Oh, I think it, it was, um, I think it was withheld for a long time. So I think it actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely didn't see it when I was, when I was seven, but I'm pretty sure I had a VHS of it that, that said available for the first time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, and but even. It must have been about 12 or 13. So even, be- yeah. It. So it was banned for a while, but even like the producers. So it was produced by, well, one of the producers was Malik B. Ali who's also been behind some excellent modern horror movies, including House of the Devil, Starry Eyes, and a couple you've worked on, Broadcast Signal Intrusion yeah. and Girl on the Third Floor, which, you know, I'd recommend watching both. Uh, but yeah, the, the producers actually shelved it because they'd been expecting a more traditional slasher movie, and what they got was one of the most disturbing movies of all time. So I yeah. think it wasn't even released until '89. And even that was okay. was a result of someone like a supporter, like a, another director. I think it might be the director of Henry Two, but anyway, he saw it and said they should enter into a festival, and it made such a, an incredible. There was such a positive yeah. response to it that it ended up being released. So yeah, it had a journey to your VHS player, which presumably you know you didn't let your parents know that you were watching this one. I think this coincided when I was twelve. I had a brief stint for about a year and a half at a boarding school before I was expelled. Ah, yes. Um, And I had what I would argue was the most uncomfortable bed in Britain because I had what was already a pretty uncomfortable boarding school single bed, but it was lined with several layers of VHS tapes underneath the (laughs) mattress. (laughs) I was away from home. I was subject to like in some ways a lot of a lot more control because i was at a boarding school but in other ways like the the sort of the plain sight hiding that comes with just being kept in a building with a bunch of boys that this is probably where my my film collecting kind of started because for the first time i could i could hoard these things i could mm-hmm, access mm-hmm. these these tapes and, and they're all just like you know go down to the local sam goody or whatever and pick these tapes up but I could hide them, and I discovered to, a way of breaking out of the boarding house in the middle of the night and breaking into the AV centre or into the music school, both of which had big screen TVs, like those old rear projection TV things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with friends, and we'd watch movies. And I saw so many films for the first time with my with my friends. I remember like breaking out for nights in a row to watch the TV series, the mini like the TV movie of It in chunks, and then like a friend of mine's dad had like who traveled internationally would have bootlegs so occasionally we would watch like i think we watched weekend at bernie's 2 and hot shots on like terrible cams on vhs that he'd like brought that his dad had got him from some foreign market but then i'd also be like i was just picking up any any 18 rated film i could get hold of i was picking up loads of vipco titles Mm -hmm. i remember watching romper stomper i remember watching uh, full metal jacket like anything i could get my hands on at that point that was that was sort of forbidden i was watching and and henry was in that mix i don't actually have particularly vivid memories of the first time i watched it bizarrely considering like it had such an impact but i feel like i was around 16 and 17 and for some reason i've got a feeling i watched it maybe for the first time on channel 4 as part of some extreme season or something i've got a feeling i watched it on tv for the first time which is a weird way to watch it similarly with uh ring i watched that on channel 4 for the first time i think channel 4 back in the day was kind of an incredible resource oh, it was incredible yeah well we've talked about videodrome before exactly yeah well what videodrome's bbc right is that right 
Was it BBC? Yeah, I, I think that was, I think that was BBC Two, but Channel Four would have that the... makes sense. I remember there not being commercials. Yeah, actually, so yeah, it must have been BBC. And and Channel Four though had similar seasons, often fronted by Mark Commode. So that's where there's a bit of a crossover there. But yeah, incredible, incredible. Like to quickly talk about the extras actually before we move on to recommendations. There, yeah. There's a fantastic new commentary which has the benefit of even more time having passed and there's uh, some nice reflection in there. Definitely a very interesting listen. I also loved the Talking Head documentary about the voyeurism of Henry and placing it within the context of film history and movies like Peeping Tom. Yeah. I had already written down my recommendations before I watched that. <laughs> that. So I was slightly annoyed to see one of my recommendations pop up in that documentary but who cares it's a great film i'm gonna recommend it anyway when we get to that but yeah what other extras did you like dan did you have a chance to watch much so i left watching this till the last minute because my disc didn't come through (laughs) of course Um, yeah yeah but i i actually ended up watching the recalled disc which has all the extras so oh, i watched great. the film on arrow player and yeah. I, I watched the the recall disc that i got sent but i haven't had the replacement disc for yet yeah although arrow are very very good with that with their paying customers i should add yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's us freeloaders who get short shrift um not even but, short uh, shrift to be yeah, fair like, Dan. I, I re- <laughs> not even short shrift like Zero i've, I've had two amazing boxes of movies come through recently so the podcast is in safe hands for a long time but anyway sorry dan carry on you, you say that sam but guess what i got through the post today what did you get basket case <laughs> <laughs> all right fair play um <laughs> but so just in time <laughs> that to be fair again that was internationally shipped and i think shipping anything to the uk at the moment is an absolute nightmare but anyway enough admin what extras did you watch on that recall disc Um, i listened to the new commentary and then i skipped about between i think three uh old commentaries oh cool it's quite just astonishing how much stuff there is in there and actually like you know and i I didn't listen to all of them all the way through but i didn't hear anything repeated or, or much of anything repeated it's pretty exhaustive and i think that one of the one of the complaints that often happens with these reissues is that oh why haven't you got that extra and now i've got to keep an extra disc on my shelf they've done a very good job of of putting everything together yeah absolutely it's it's a wonderful wonderful release and obviously the 4k looks fantastic as well it's incredible yeah please do pick this one up please do support this because yeah we really want more releases like this in the classic arrow video style all right let's move on to recommendations based on the have, movie have, oh you have something I have one else. last thing oh please one last thing uh-huh i was doing a bit of the old imdb research oh. and i was absolutely delighted to see ray atherton's imdb headshot ray atherton's uh, plays the stolen electronics vendor i fucking love that scene he's so yeah. so good yeah the, okay <laughs> the, the line the line the line otis switch it on or otis turn it on yeah was like is permanently ingrained in my head i think i've i, I reference that maybe once a year yeah oh uh, he's yeah interesting you can have you have you, have you just looked at his headshot it, on IMDb? I, i've looked at his headshot <laughs> indeed yeah that's a perfect description for it um <laughs> 
yes, seek that out, Precious Arrowhead. And, and while you're there, have a look at his associate producer credit on Fart the Movie. Oh, Fart the Movie? Yeah. yeah. Fart the Movie that I tried to watch in preparation for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fucking shit. That is a bad film. Oh, so that's not going to be in Dan's recommendations, but uh, let's hear what I is. Mean, my my first recommendation, based upon Henry Potter for Serial Killer, if you want a, like a fun double bill, like a palate cleanser after Henry Potter for Serial Killer, I suggest you look no further than Justin Curzel's 2011 masterpiece, Snowtown. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, great recommendation. Which I which I put which I rewatched back to back with Henry Potter for Zero Killer. Jesus Christ! If if anything, it's bleaker. If anything, it's bleaker than Henry Potter for Zero Killer because it doesn't have any other warmth. That is present in *Portrait of a Killer*. For those of you who don't know, *Snowtown* is another movie based upon a sort of purportedly true story. Like they're real events, but they're you know, some of it is a little surmised, perhaps. Uh, maybe not as as fictionalized as *Henry*. For spoiler reasons, I can't go into the main difference between *Henry* and reality. But um, *Henry Lucas*. The, the real man, not a particularly reliable narrator. But Snowtown is based on sort of court finding, uh, like police findings and court reports and that kind of stuff. And I think at the end, it plays out as a sort of an inevitability of the justice machine. And I'm using justice with a big J there, like the idea of it. Because it's very much about a, a person who's a victim of abuse, as as Henry de Lucas's character, like as Michael Rooker's character, Henry, the, the version of Henry, was like sort of being pulled into this grotesque world the 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 young lead in Snowtown kind of occupies both the Otis and the Henry characters in that he is brought in to this and he is the abused as well. It's an Australian movie and it has that kind of amazing blue light bleakness that exploitation like semi like recent modern exploitation has that I just don't feel like I see anywhere else. It's a very unique form of like just hollowing you out slowly. Just like slowly ripping away everything decent about the world in front of you. Yeah, it's about a it's about a, a, a three brothers to a single mother uh, all of whom are abused, one of whom is suppressing feelings of homosexuality and starts to maybe fall in love with his mother's new boyfriend. The mother's new boyfriend purports to be a sort of a a protector, but is just a new type of abuser. And it's about their relationship and how he gets pulled into some pretty nasty killings. It's a very, very difficult watch. I think it's out on 101 in the UK on Blu-ray, but it's on various streaming platforms as well. It is a harrowing film indeed. Uh, and I heartily recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I second that recommendation. And actually, you, you sparked off a memory. I included it in my top 10 of the year in 2011 because before the Arrow Video podcast, I used to work for Total Film and we did our end of year lists in a similar way that we do for the Arrow Video podcast. But yeah, my list that year, I was going through some shit in 2011 because number one kill list, Animal Kingdom... 13 Assassins, I Saw the Devil, <laughs> which also I might put alongside Henry, Tree of Life, Snowtown, I Spit on Your Grave, which is one of the films, the 2010 remake in that Talking Head documentary on this disc. The screenwriter of uh, I Spit on Your Grave talks about the influence of Henry on the remake of that movie. Um, there's a scene involving cameras. I won't say any more than that. The Guard, Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Rubber. 
So that isn't a million miles away from a list I would do on this podcast. So I thought it was worth mentioning in case there's anything on there people haven't seen. Uh, (laughs) But that's not my recommendation. That list is not my recommendation based on Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Instead, I'm going to say that Henry has such a strong sense of realism. It often feels like a documentary. Man Bites Dog is another very realistic serial killer movie that uses the framework of documentary to tell its story. As we follow a documentary crew who's filming Ben, who is a thief and a murderer who has an intense charisma that initially draws you in until it slowly starts to uh, repel you. And it starts out fun before turning as horrifying as the worst of Henry. Man Bites Dog is a brilliantly dark experience which had a huge impact on me when I was a kid. I was actually obsessed with it before I saw it. I had the poster torn from the pages of Time Out magazine on my wall in the early 90s. So yes, I have always been like this. But Man Bites Dog, one of my favourite films. I couldn't recommend it more. And that is the one that's also talked about on the documentary, Dan, if you didn't get to uh, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, a very logical uh, choice. I saw it uh, I saw it at the BFI recently. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, um, I mean, I'd, I'd seen it, I'd seen of it before, course. obviously. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they they um they programmed it as part of their French Extreme season a little while ago. Oh. Um, it's Belgian. And I went to see. No, I know, but it's you know they speak French in it. <laughs> uh, there there was weirdly there were actually quite a lot of Belgian films in the French Extreme season. At the <laughs> I wonder uh, how the Belgians played, feel uh, about or, that. Or... <laughs> I'll ask Jonas. Um, <laughs> the uh, they played Ordeal as well mm-hmm. as part of it. But I went to see that. I went to see the chronological order, uh, Irreversible. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I went to see L'Interieur. Mm-hmm. And I had tickets to I Stand Alone, but I couldn't make it. Ah, yeah. I mean, you'd probably had quite a tough weekend um, off the back of all of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> watching them all back to back. So I'm going to do my next one yeah. uh, next. Uh, but I do have a backup. So I might sneak that in at the end. Uh, so you can go first on the recently. My next one, I feel like this is one everyone has seen. But again, you know, it's nice to throw the big titles out every now and then. And also it's an arrow picture. So I can't I can't not recommend the 1979 portrait of a serial killer masterpiece that is Abel Ferrara's Driller Killer. Yeah. Whereas Henry is a serial killer before the film starts, the grim pro slash antagonist of uh driller killer is is driven to it in a way that i've still struggled to find out whether we're meant like to work out whether we're meant to sympathize with or not right but it's ostensibly a a a sort of like a cross between henry portrait of a serial killer and falling down where a guy is so annoyed by the world that he invests in a battery pack and straps on a drill uh, and goes out a murdering. It's another deeply grimy movie, also shot on 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. I suspect uh, in less than a month, maybe more than a week, <laughs> barely more than a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I again, I mean, Driller Killer was one of those big, the heavy hitter nasties, and and mostly because of the title. Because actually, as a film, it's it's probably more like sort of introspective and ponderous than the title might indicate. Mm-hmm. Except for that one horrible tramp kill, like the sort of the the bit where he attacks the man, the the homeless man. Other than that, it's it's actually like especially in its early stages it's quite a pensive film certainly not as sort of bombastic and horrible as as the film that ferrara directed immediately afterwards but if you haven't seen it it's absolutely fantastic it's it's not the fastest film in the world but it's something it's you know you want to sit in the grime it's a bathtub full of mud fantastic 
Yeah, great recommendation. And my next recommendation is one that I have recommended before, but the Poughkeepsie tapes is too perfect not to double it with yeah. Henry. It's similarly disturbing. It follows a serial killer who uses mixed methods to kill his victims like Henry and who significantly films himself in a similar way to Henry and Otis. It actually feels like it's constructed from tapes like those shot by Henry and Otis, the, the home invasion stuff. And it was almost certainly inspired by Henry. I don't know if that's true, but it, it kind of has to be because there's so many shared elements. So if you love Henry and you haven't seen this one, welcome to your new favourite film. It has an incredible power, much like Henry. I would love a distributor to put out a decent release of it. Um, it hasn't been treated well in the UK but it is a true, true masterpiece. It really is so disturbing. Poughkeepsie Tapes, I recommend it. Dan, you said you had a, an extra recommendation. Yeah, so I, I I thought that there was a possibility that either Snowtown or Drillicator would turn up on your list. So I... I, I, I um... I think this is one I've mentioned on the podcast before, although I don't think it was in relation to anything. I think it was just that I had revisited it recently. Or maybe I was just, you know, just mentioned it in passing. Mm. But it's another John McNaughton film from 2013 called The Harvest, although in some territories it was released as Can't Come Out to Play. Shout Factory did a Blu-ray of it a little while ago. It's available streaming in various places. On revisiting it, it it's got a slightly cheap feel to it. And because it's not 16mm, that cheapness comes across as a bit like a kind of TV movie kind of feel, rather than being like a, a war grunge like Henry has but it's a really satisfying thriller if you can look past some of the some of the budgetary restraints uh, that McNaughton was dealing with ostensibly it's about a young boy who is out playing in the woods and finds a secluded house uh, that has in it a child a sickly child whose overprotective parents possibly too overprotective will not let him go out into the outside world and they form a friendship like a less historically problematic boy in the striped pajamas with a better ending <laughs> yeah do you know what shay told me about this movie this morning when i told it because she's a, a a big john mcnaughton fan she loves the yeah. the borrower and in fact uh um, oh, borrow is great yeah in fact there's a, a sequence uh, in the borrower that may have indirectly led to mine and shay's uh marriage because uh she when she watched it when she was younger um there's a scene in it where a couple watch the garbage pal kids movie together with headphones on and she dreamed of finding a husband who would be prepared to do that with her um that's me so thanks john mcnaughton and thanks the borrower um but yeah she told me about the harvest this morning and she thinks it's fantastic as well so yeah, i'm great. definitely going to watch it before the next episode excellent excellent yeah great uh, well let's move on to recommendations based on the past couple of weeks i am actually going to ask you to go first dan because i oh, yeah, i'm fine. just going to do one this week because oh. we're uh we're clawing towards um the edge of our time because we're doing a double record episode so i'm just going to drop one of my recommendations based on the past couple of weeks but i would like to good. hear well i'll keep it quick i would like to hear two from you so what are you going to start with what have you been watching well i can get this one out of the way pretty quickly because i have a strong feeling that you have watched this not that long ago and i suspect you recommended it on the podcast oh is it elvis dan did. it's elvis did you watch elvis? finally we <laughs> synchronize for the first time, we care about the same film. Of course, it's not fucking Elvis. Uh, 
No, it's Z Channel, a magnificent obsession. Oh, 2007 documentary by Zan Cassavetes. Yes. Um, there's no physical media release of it, sadly, but it is available on Prime uh, in the UK, at least. I assume in the states. There is there. Is, there's a UK DVD. Oh, is there? Yeah, I own I, I, the I DVD, look, oh, and it's it's a oh, fantastic I had a look for it on on physical media after watching it on streaming. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a great documentary. I recommend the the DVD specifically though, because there are some fantastic extras on there. Um, oh nice yeah. okay well i will hunt that out then that's that's good to know yeah it's a fantastic documentary for 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 our english listeners that this may have passed by z channel uh was one of the first movie streaming cable networks in the states uh it was an astonishing sort of resource and i think very very early on in the podcast sam alluded to a book about the z channel as being the sort of bible from which the wellspring from which criterion uh took its programming which i think is entirely fair yeah um but ostensibly the documentary is really about the the programmer at z channel and while they tell you how the movie ends early on in the movie i will not but it's uh, it's one of those it's one of those sort of tragic stories about an individual working through something they love and problems they have not always successfully yeah it's it's an absolutely fantastic movie it's full of amazing talking heads by fantastic directors one of my favorite things about it is that tarantino turns up but every time he's like yeah i never saw it <laughs> my friend just recorded stuff off it and gave me tapes i never watched it <laughs> i heard about it but i never saw it yeah it's fantastic like he, they were so supportive of so many directors it's the origin of like the director's cut idea the idea of the director's cut and like getting a special version or a special edition of something like that has its roots in the z channel i knew of it i knew of its importance but i didn't know very much about it if you see what i mean and so it was really nice to finally see the documentary i really enjoyed it yeah it's great and the dvd is currently available it's on amazon for like just over seven quid and it's a two-disc special edition whatever you're doing listening to this podcast pull over to the side of the road stop cooking whatever it is you're doing Go online and buy this movie. Apologise to your lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely people listen to this podcast while uh, doing that we'll filthy business. <laughs> I'll probably cut, <laughs> probably cut that. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> um, but yeah, whatever you're doing, drop it and, and order this film. If you're listening to this podcast you will 100% love this movie. It is an incredible documentary. It, there were recommendations in there, even for me watching it, um, even for Dan, I'm sure. So yeah, even yeah, yeah. for you, Precious Arrowhead, there will be something that you find in this documentary that you will love. One of my all-time favourite films, and I've definitely recommended yeah, it on the, on the podcast in the, in the past. It's top five documentaries of all time for me. Wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, and a lovely recommendation. Well, I'm going to move on from the sublime to the ridiculous by recommending Deadly Force from 1983. Hey. Now, this was a, a VHS pulled from my own collection. I believe I bought this when a young man came to our house with a car full of tapes, unloaded it in our garage, and, and Shay and I and Shay's friend Angie picked through and, and found the best stuff. And I found Deadly Force in there, and I finally watched it, and I fucking loved it. Um, starring Wings Hauser as a renegade ex-cop, and one of the Golden Girls is a New York cabbie. Deadly Force opens with a laugh-out-loud murder scene and gets more ridiculous from that point on. Wings was cast off the back of his appearance in the absolutely perfect Vice Squad 
and while he's not quite as unhinged here, his performance definitely has a manic energy. It's a performance that feels like Gary Busey impersonating Christopher Walken, and it actually feels like a proto-lethal weapon in places. So if you like stuff like that and one-liner cop movies in general, you will be entertained by this one for sure. So yeah, watch it and imagine a world in which original director Sam Peckinpah had stayed on board. Just astonishing. Deadly Force. It's bad. It's fun. I recommend it. Dan, what's next from you? Another documentary. Oh. From 2018. And this one really isn't available on physical media. This one is available on Vimeo On Demand. Oh. It's from 2018. It's by a director called Johannes Grensfartner, I think. Grensfartner. It's called Glossary of Broken Dreams. I had heard it mentioned, but I hadn't seen it, and I gave it a go, and it is a delight. It is ostensibly one man's rambling stream of consciousness trying to unravel how we as a society got to this position of late-stage capitalism, but with an eye on art as a guide for culture and filmmaking as as a tool for the artist oh. and it is absolutely delightful it's mixed language mixed media it's live action it's recreation it's in uh, it's interview it's animation it's puppets it's everything and it ostensibly talks about how we get caught up in loops the sort of didactic loops of of conversation around things that we can't change and that those are weaponized against us Mm. to stop us from changing the things that we can change and it's absolutely fantastic it's unbelievably pretentious but in a deliberate and self-knowing way like it's using that as a tool yeah it's an absolute delight well i'm i'm actually because i can i can feel potentially some arrowheads out there going hang on a minute what do you mean only wrong recommendation from sam not happy about this so i'm gonna read the back it's me i was saying that <laughs> i'm going to read the back of the box of my next recommendation without going into too much detail about it so this is a film called lost faith dan okay now i don't know it steve nicoda joel d winecoop is a good guy having a bad day and it just got worse his beautiful model wife has been kidnapped and she's going to be sold into the lucrative white slavery market by an evil karate master Now, it will take more than heroic courage and martial arts training for Nakota to fight back. Before he can crush the white slavery ring and rescue his wife, he must first reach deep down inside himself to find out what burns his soul to regain his lost faith. And kick ass! So, yeah, lost faith on VHS. It's the only way you can get it. It is a Christian action film. It's like... Troma. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like so legit lost faith. Yeah, exactly. It's like wow. um Troma remaking Deadly Prey. So uh that's all I'll say about that. Let's move on to extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features. Extra features. Now no I got nothing. Extra features, mic drop. Dan, how can people follow you on computers? And if if you normally stop listening at this point, because you're like, who cares? I know their social media. Do keep listening. Because there might be some significant thing that we say at the end of this episode. Who knows? Dan, what's your social media? 
I'm at 13fingerfx on both Twitter and Instagram. I am heavily embargoed from sharing current work, but in a little while, maybe even by the time this episode comes out, a a TV series I did for Amazon called Jungle will have been released, and I will be fucking flooding the social medias with all of the incredibly gory stuff that we made for this very peculiar drill music opera for for amazon oh uh, it it's great it's, uh, i don't know if you've seen the trailer but I have. it's it's a beautiful film the uh chaz the the dop oh my goodness there's a shot in the trailer which i wasn't there for when they filmed it because it didn't have any effects on that day i was on set for it quite a bit but but uh there's a shot where the camera is sort of jibbing around as someone walks like runs in slow motion through this underpass and they've got all these like reflective panels on the wall at the back but they're slightly lenticular so as the camera jibs around with the with the action of the running it's like they they're car- being followed by a trail of light on the wall because the only the bits of mirror directly behind them because of the angle of the camera are reflecting at any given time it's so beautiful it's a very very stylish film uh, tv show series fantastic yeah i've seen that trailer i can't wait i cannot wait to watch that so yeah very cool as for me you can follow me at sam ashurst on twitter you can follow me at sam ashurst 23 on instagram i'm going for a phase where i'm posting like sketches and silly little cartoons that um... i've been enjoying them oh good oh all right well I'll, i'll keep doing that then um yeah, you did a you you did one about an angry man yes. that I thought was great. Oh, there was a lot of pathos in that. Oh, thank you, man. Oh, excellent. Well, there you go. Um, check that stuff out on uh, Sam Ashes twenty three on Instagram. So I promised some uh, significant news at, at the end of this episode uh, that has been delayed to the next episode. So you're just <gasps> going to have to listen. What a cliffhanger! But we'll be doing Children of the Corn too. So you're probably going to be listening anyway. Wait, what? Um, yeah, Children of the Corn two, Dan. Children of the Corn two. Children we'll be doing two. Children of the Corn, and then and then what else? It's it's <laughs> just Children, of the, Children of the Corn two. Uh, Good fuck. <laughs> as as I mentioned, have you just watched Children of the Corn? I have, yes. I mean, look, it's fine. I am. I live Children of the Corn too, my friend. There you go. It's the first ergot horror I ever watched, so I am prepared for this. But the fact that we're going straight into it means I cannot do any beefing up. So let's let's roll with this. That's fine. Hello, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hang on. Uh, are you saying that Children of the Corn two won an Emmy, a, an Oscar, a Grammy, a, and a Tony? Yes. Well, well, then tune in next time to find out more about that. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we promise to be more professional next time oh god if only (laughs) bye bye